It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of The Table. My name is Jason Squires and I am really excited about today, I'm excited about our conversation. Um, this, uh, this is kind of in that uh, fifth week podcast. Earlier this year, uh, we did a bonus podcast with my wife on how to be married to a creative, kind of was outside the regular mm. rhythm of our, uh, our normal month. And this is the next fifth week podcast, the bonus podcast. And we have my good friend, Heather Penny. <laughs> Heather, how's it going? Really good. So fun to be here on the show with you, Jason. I'm I'm looking forward to this. This is Me too. Uh, we've known each other a long time. I mean, uh, yes. Your your husband did our wedding, and yeah. Which, by the way, our 15 year anniversary is next week. Which so it's stuck. It, it's stuck. We did it. Good. <laughs> you guys did our pre marriage counseling. Like we've been together for a long time. This is fun. I'm excited to have this have this conversation. Tell Me us too. about Heather. Tell us about all things Heather, and uh, I would love to know. Tell everybody about you. Yes. Okay. So I'll tell you what I do for a living, which is I'm a leadership coach and trusted advisor. And what that means is I work with uh, clients, whether they're in the workplace, organizations, or whether I do personal and private coaching. So I work with people and organizations all over the world to really open lines of communication and build trust. So that's what I do for my work for personal. I'm a mother of two amazing, almost young adults. I'm getting ready to launch them (laughs) (laughs) and married almost 30 years. So our stuck too, Jason. That's good news. That's good news. That's good. So you were where we are now when we got married because you were at 15 years when we started. Now this is, now we're at 15 years. That's crazy. I can't believe your kids are going, you're you're launching them into into life. I know. I know. Darren, I joke. You're welcome world. (laughs) Get our job. They're really cool human beings, Jason. Here you I go. love them. That's right. That's right. That's you always want to launch them, keep them close, but they're going off to do really good things, and it's, it's yes. exciting. And I heard someone say this once: you got to like your kids because if you don't like your kids, the world's not going to like your kids. And I thought, Ooh. what a great piece Ooh. of advice to remember that you want to keep training them and teaching them, developing them to be your friends, which ours are. They're seventeen and nineteen, and they're two of my best friends now, and I just That's love amazing. them. So. You're welcome, world. You're welcome, world. <laughs> we did our, our job. job. You get to have them now. That's right. That's so good. That's so good. Hey, let's talk about your book. Like, I, you are an yeah. author, and yeah. uh, and I listened to all nine and a half hours of it on Audible. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. Like, it's such a needed book, I think. Um, yeah. And it, let's t- talk to us about, kind of give us the synopsis um, of th- what this idea of 3C living um, yeah. is. Well, I know a lot of your audience is creatives too, Jason, and I too, musician, I play piano and I do a lot of art and painting. And the reason I bring that up is because I really believe in that right side of the brain. It just does everything from emotional healing to health, to fulfillment, to giving me personally more clarity. So how I open my book is with a story. And I, yep. my, in my past career, I started out as an educator. I taught for about 15 years and trained teachers and everything else, but Story is where I got 
the kids' attention, where I even got adults' attention. And even as I moved into more public speaking, I just use allegory quite a bit. So one of the allegories I've used quite a bit in my work is this idea of, it's called the bracelet. And it's this little girl who's been given a bracelet and um, she loves jumping our tire swing and uh, laying out under the stars and loves nature. But this bracelet turns into two to three to four. And throughout her years, she ages, she gets more and more bracelets that prevent her from going on her tire swing and doing what, what she loves. It's a very simple allegory that when I work with clients, they literally get on the phone with me and they'll be like, okay, Heather, I got too many bracelets. I got to get them off. Or I got, I got need help with my tire swing. I've lost it. Or I need time under the stars. So it's this allegory that helps create a conversation around a thriving life versus just surviving day to day. Oh, I love it. I love it. What, um, in that process, what are the, what are the three C's that you go for? Yeah. The three C's, what I call three C living is this idea that if we want to go after the life that we're truly made for, which is the title of my book, we got to have clarity around what we know, like what are our bracelets? Bracelets are neither good or bad. They're just something you have to monitor and say, wow, I got too many. They're up past my elbows. I'm not enjoying my life anymore. Um, Or I don't have enough on. I'm totally bored. (laughs) So it's this idea of learning how to life balance it. And that's our clarity piece. The confidence piece has to do with our mindset. What are we believing about either our bracelets or a tire swing? I'm too busy. I don't have time to go on my tire swing. The moment I hear that, that's just a complete formula for burnout. So I go after that mindset because if you believe you're too busy for your tire swing, you will be too busy for your tire swing. And if you believe that you've got to balance 70 bracelets instead of of like a normal three or four, (laughs) you are going to get burned out. A lot of my clients don't want to hear that, but they come staggering over to me. And then I go, yeah, it sounds like you've got too many bracelets and you've lost your tire swing, which is a form of active rest. And you've lost time under the stars, which is a form of passive rest. And then that third C is courage. Courage has to do all about your action plan. Once you have your clarity, once you have your mindset and what you're believing, it's time then to do an action plan on where you want to move forward. I'm going to spend more time on my tire swing this week, or I'm going to spend an hour under the stars each day, or I'm going to balance these three bracelets and let go of these five. (laughs) It's that action plan that's aligned with your confidence, which has to do with your true belief. In ministry, like we're in a season right now coming out of the pandemic and, and in this, like, I've talked to so many pastors right now that are headed into burnout. Like burnout Mm -hmm. is, like a, it's almost like a vocabulary word mm-hmm. in everybody's conversation now because we went from doing absolutely everything to doing nothing to trying to do everything again. Yeah. And um, during during the pandemic, it was a uh, exhaustion, um, running empty, like just ex- always trying to pour out to make sure that things looked and felt normal. Um, and a lot of that fell on the worship pastor's role because of church was online and all those kind of things. Um, what... Thinking through like the tire swing and your bracelets and that con- that whole conversation, um, what would you say to the person right now that's listening that wants to start that wants to try and take off the bracelets mm. and also wants to um, even identify their bracelets? Like, what would you say to them where they're like, "Gosh, I I don't even know if I have a tire swing. I know I do, but a, that tire swing like being that place of you know rest and whatever you whatever it is that you're doing." Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to them to go like, first, this is how you identify mm-hmm. um, 
your bracelets, but then also this is how you begin the process of like removing them and balancing them kind of headed yeah. in that direction. Great question. That was a lot of questions. But go, it, yeah. And it was, and I was tracking with you because this one example came to mind. It was actually in a church. So with a lot of your audience being a part of ministry, I think this would be really helpful to share. But I was speaking at this uh, church and it was probably about 250 people in the room. And it was kind of this workshop I was doing on restorative rest. And I do a play on words when I do restorative rest in my book. Rest is all capitalized in the word restorative. So I'm really emphasizing restorative rest and it came out of the story. I'm in mid, mid talk, Jason. <laughs> this woman raises her hand, interrupts me. And you know, with the size of about 250 people, it's like, it's not like a small group of 10 or 12, right? So I'm like- Do I, I call think, on you? I don't know. Yeah, do I call on you? It was exactly what I thought. Do you need so, to use the bathroom? I don't know, understand like what? <laughs> and why are you raising your hand? So I, I just went with it. But it, you could see that's the hunger she had in her question, which is, what do you mean by rest? I'll never forget that. For someone to be that vulnerable and brave and to interrupt a speaker up front that says, I so badly want it. What do you mean by rest? Yeah. And so much of what I mean by rest is really comes straight out of Psalms 23, where it talks about, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures there's an emphasis on stilling our soul and resting. We have lost it so much in, not only in the ministry, but I would say North America and work that I've done around the world. We have this very strong drive and push. Then when you compound it with ministry or doing good works or, or supporting uh, the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ, we have this over emphasis that we have to push, push, push. So I think the easiest and the simplest way to answer that really hard question, honestly, Jason, is yeah. the book starts, chapter one is permission slip. When you open my book, the very first chapter says, it's time to give yourself a permission slip. Mm. If I've lost you in the first chapter, that's telling me you don't want to pull over your car and take a beat and rest and just really consider, do I have a tire swing? How long have I lost it? When's the last time I spent time under the stars? So the book really is almost like a roadmap to just pace yourself to say, first off, you got to give yourself permission to pull over. And I literally have them write themselves a permission slip to stop and reevaluate their life. I don't think we've created a cadence in our lives to stop and pull over. And I'm saying all this with all my fingers pointing back because you know me, Jason, totally. I'm a huge achiever. I love doing a lot in my life. People are always like, how much do you do? And I'm like, yeah, I hate being bored. But I've had to balance that with knowing when to pull back, knowing when to pull over, knowing when some a bracelet has gotten too heavy for me and it's no longer the one I should be wearing or it's replacing the ones I really need to be focusing on. Does that answer your question? I, it does. It does. It does. Um, now, in, in ministry, though, like where like people in the church, um, I think oftentimes are projecting onto you what you should and shouldn't look like, sound mm -hmm. like, be like, feel like. Um, how do you, what would you kind of tell the person who's looking at that going, um, am I, I mean, you said the permission slip, but it's like, mm -hmm. am I allowed to be me? Mm -hmm. Or am, am I supposed to fit into the mold of what, of what this ministry role is having me look like? Um, I'm mm -hmm. gonna make somebody angry when I do mm -hmm. certain things, mm -hmm. um, but, I'm going to try and make them happy in the process and like kind of mm -hmm. talk to that person. Like it's 
Because I know, I know mm. that um, it is like taking that step out of mm-hmm. um, taking that step out from the like that in, in, in that like I said in that ministry role to mm-hmm. go like I, I need to I need to be me like I need mm-hmm. to be me too many people are not allowing themselves to be themselves mm-hmm. um, so like what would you kind of give some advice to that person I will Jason and then I'm going to invite you to join me in that answer because yeah. you've been in a ministry yeah, so yeah, yeah. long and I know you and I have talked about it personally behind the scenes and as friends and we're both committed to it so I'll start answering and then I'll invite you to join me in yeah. in uh collective clarity here. But I do think that it comes with this deepening sense of strengthening your identity. So here's the catch 22 that happens. We run, we run, we run, we run, we push, we push, we push, we push. What starts happening, it starts eroding our sense of self. We take on all sorts of um, false comforts or um, we create these lifestyles that don't allow us to live free. We're just more focusing on not disappointing, not letting anyone else down, making sure we keep up with the pack, making sure that we have the group think that everybody says we're supposed to have. All of these are things that we do that actually starts eroding our sense of self. Yep. So one of the hardest, and this is where it does take the courage, when we get into the courage piece, getting people to say, I've got to step away from it all and recognizing I created this. We have to take responsibility for it. And again, all my fingers are pointing back because I've done this. I've, I've been on the other side of burnout too. I created this because I kept trying to keep up with everyone. And I was so fearful, disappointing that I kept attracting people who would communicate. You're disappointing me if you don't keep up with me. What does that do? It starts eroding our sense of self. It's learning how to step away from that all, dealing with the very uncomfortable feelings of they are disappointed. I'm not going to sit there and tell anybody it's rainbows and unicorns when you stop. People are really disappointed that you don't keep up with them. People leave. People don't want to be a part of what you're doing. People reject you. I've gotten all sorts of reactions. The most interesting thing that I've learned, though, as I've aged is as I've stepped back and giving myself what I need to to really come fully um, fueled up to the project or the conversation or the organization and what I'm working with, that's when I can feel myself most alive. That's when I feel myself thriving, not just surviving another Monday or another day or another project. That becomes my litmus test that says, are you starting to endure your life? Oh, it's time to pull over. But in the ministry, what do we say? you got to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And then we compound it with, you got to do it for the glory of God, yep. which is only guilt-ridden, right? So we push even harder thinking that we're not only letting people down, but now we're letting God down. Yeah. Truth is, God is not disappointed in us, right? Right, right. So I guess that's the long answer to it. And I would say, I'm going to pass it back to you. What do you do? <laughs> like, back to you in the studio. You're right. <laughs> back no, to you in the studio, yeah, right? right? No, I, I 100% agree. I just finished uh, Carrie Newhoff's new book, um, which is, uh, the title just left me, but the, um, <laughs> the idea of is at your best, it's called at your best. Mm-hmm. And it, um, the idea of it is like in your general workflow and in your day, doing what you're best at when you're at your best, like mm-hmm. not trying to like squeeze in meetings and always running at that mm-hmm. peak, always mm-hmm. running in, in the red, but mm-hmm. like doing what you're best at in order to like maintain, um, maintain that sense of like, I'm not running in an exhaustion. I'm not running Mm -hmm. in, 
I'm not, I'm, I'm doing what I'm good at in my space where mm-hmm. I'm at. Um, he, you know, he talks about going on vacation, not as a, that's not like a, to like, people go like, I just can't wait till I get to vacation and then I'm going to crash. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it's vacation's like a bonus, mm-hmm. like living your life to where you're not, uh, living your life to where you're not, um, always running at, in the red so that you're, yeah, you have that energy. Fumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like, I, I, I went through your book and then I went through his book like back to back. And so I've been really like going through this, like, who am I? What am I? Where am I? And um, mm-hmm. what does my day look like? And how do I, how do I uh, not try and be somebody I'm not? And um, in the process, be who it is that I am while still trying to maintain today. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you have to go through the process and exist in the, in the present, which mm-hmm. is not an easy task. Many times I've had people look at me like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm sorry. I was just thinking. I, it was <laughs> like I was, my, I was my brain, my brain left and I was working on something and I'm back. I'm here. I'm, you know, I stepped out for a minute, but it's, and so mm-hmm. all that to say in ministry, it is a, it is a hard life mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. everybody has an opinion as to what life should look like. Mm-hmm. Even though you go, no, God's put me in this role. To, mm-hmm. to, to bring out what it is that you need. And we bring mm-hmm. out what it is that we could do as a church and as a ministry and as life. And mm-hmm. this is who I am. But mm-hmm. I think that's got missed, and especially coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, I could go to any church online and, and then go, well, they look like a certain way. We should look that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no, we're actually, that's not who we are as a church. Mm-hmm. That's who they are as a church. Mm-hmm. But you have now have access to all churches everywhere all the time. Just mm-hmm. by doing a Google search, um, that mm-hmm. brings down the that brings down the uh, like the worship leaders. Like I can't do that, which means I'm not useful anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, not realizing they still have a purpose mm-hmm. to be where they are, who they mm-hmm. are, and in their space, continuing to be the best version of themselves. Right. Um, so. Well, and I love that you said that, Jason, because you know what hit me is by the time p- people get to me. They've lost that best version and they know it. You know, people yep. don't come skipping into me when they're really doing well. They're skip, they're coming in, crawling into me, limping into <laughs> like, me, rolling into me after they can. I, and again, this is like one achiever to I work with so many high achievers. So I get it. I've been there. And yep. I've I have my my own team around me of coaches and counselors and spiritual directors that help me balance my life. But I think what's really cool on the work that I do is once you get fueled up, you get to you realize this is what it gets to feel like. Yeah. You know, some of them have been on fumes sometimes for decades, years, sometimes for their whole life. And they know instinctively something isn't working. And I have to go back to Psalms 23 because it's one of my anchor passages because it's a metaphor and it's a beautiful picture. But if we serve truly a shepherd that's saying he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters, there's something there that our soul is constantly craving. We just don't know what that is we have to slow down long enough to ask ourselves you know um people in our lives that we trust and even our connection with our creator we have to slow down enough to have that that conversation to ask and in a practical way when i work with people i literally put them on what's called the thrive plan you probably saw it in my book yep and and this is my educator side because it reminds me of the woman who raised her hand and said what do you mean by rest and i thought oh my gosh the fact we have to ask that We've yep. got a serious problem in our country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so to break you, it down. You think ahead. taking time off would be an easy thing to do 
where you're oh, like, yeah. like, no, I'm telling you, don't yeah. work. I'm telling you, right. go sit. No, yeah. I can't. I can't do that. Yeah. So, and even ahead. more, I'm going to a higher standard. I'm saying not only like get eight hours sleep or take a break. I want you to start refueling your life, whether it's, you know, for me painting or getting out in nature or what is it that is our tire swing? Because that's what refuels our yeah. life. And many people don't have that um, rhythm in or got lost. I joke that when I taught third grade, no one had to tell the third graders how to go play on the playground. In fact, I joked, you can't get between the door and the bell. When the bell rings, you can't get between the door and the kids when the, they want to hit that recess. They it's instinctively just, know their tire swing. It's yep. as we age and take on responsibilities and we probably are wearing too many bracelets and we stop visiting our tire swing that we lose our sense of self. And, and worse, we start really disqualifying the tire swing and saying, oh, that's not important. It's not productive. It doesn't make me money. It does, they're going through all of this because that's what was ground into some of these really highly successful people. And honestly, a lot of people who are drawn to ministry or nonprofits, they want to give, give, give back this world but they don't understand that they can't give from an empty cup. They have to fill their own cup. Yep. They can't give anything. So my work and what I do with all these beautiful high achievers is really putting them on this thrive plan of what does that mean for you daily? What does that mean for you weekly? What does that mean for you um, monthly? And what does that mean for you annually? And they literally have to fill that out <laughs> yeah. so that they have a plan for how they're going to start fueling their tank back up and not just get just enough above the E line to run it all out again. Yeah. So for helping people to live in that full space and that full tank is a whole new concept for them. And it's almost like, am I allowed going back to, you got to give yourself permission that there's a better way to live. If you're going to change your life and if you want to engage in this three C living, you've got to give yourself a permission that maybe there's a better way to live and I've got to go find it. That's all I want to start with people. And then usually once we start there, they're off and running. Yeah. What this whole month we've been talking about planning to take a weekend off like planning to take time off in ministry. What's the difference between just taking time off and restorative rest? Mm, like great. what is like just, I mean, the difference mm -hmm. between like disappearing for two days and actually like restorative. Yeah. It's, I've done a whole um, conference on this, workshops on this, and even done a podcast, I think on, it's called Me Retreats, Me. Yeah. And for me, and I think this is for every human, whether you're introvert or extrovert, you've got to figure out a way to get off by yourself, especially if you give a lot to people. So being able to at least take a week and a year. I mean, that's when I say that people go, oh, yeah, I could do that. But when they really count back, it's maybe been 10 years or if ever. When I've done a lot of retreats, people almost like raise their hand going, am I allowed to just take the weekend off? I've got two small kids. I'm like, all the more <laughs> you need that weekend, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. So for me, I, you know, I'll go to anything that is not productive. You know, it could be going to a favorite hotel, it could be going camping, it could be anything in nature. Um, it could be eating really good food. Right now I'm in a season of life where I just want comfort and luxury because I'm working hard. Yeah. So I'll go to a, <clears throat> a nice hotel, just take time off. I'm tempted to bring work and books, but I don't. I'll bring anything that gives me life, that makes me feel good. I remember one time I just got lost in music videos for the whole weekend. That's <laughs> I amazing. I sat around my hotel and watched <laughs> music videos. <laughs> Because anything that made me feel like it was refueling me and getting that time alone, you get to start hearing yourself like you're a third person and saying, well, there you are. There you are, uh -huh. Heather. It's nice to see you again. I've missed you and all your little chaotic running. <laughs> it's fun to get you back and start recognizing who you are and be able to enjoy you. And learning how to even enjoy yourself is so critical because when you enjoy yourself, you invite other people in to enjoy it with you. Now, 
you do, and you talked about doing that on you kind of set set, set time aside for that. Do mm-hmm. you have moments like that in just your day to day life? Yeah, every every day I have at least an hour. <clears throat> I used to do just an hour with the amount of work I do. I've got a full client load now, and I work well all over the world. And I realized one hour was not cutting it. So I'm doing a little closer to two hours in the morning. For me, morning is I'm a morning person. So it's just this, and it could be anything from taking a walk to meditating, to reading something, to listening to something. It gets my mind ready to go so that I'm really active by the time I take my first call at eight, start working with clients and that the intense work I do. That's the challenge of this kind of life. It's always a moving target. What worked for me last year is not working for me this year, you know, and you were part of my book launch and everything else. Yep. I was, I could feel myself getting a little bit burned out. Fortunately, I see the signs and the flags. Now I just realized things like your daily one hour, isn't cutting it. You got to find another way learning how to even just book in my day is becoming really important to me, how I start my day and end my day. But you know, when you're busy and you got kids and everything else, you're just running from one thing to the next um, where I'm at in my life and the company that I'm running and the work I'm doing, I just don't want to get sloppy. I want every client I talk to, my kids that I talk to, my husband, I want everyone to get the best of me. Yep. If I truly want that, I got to give myself the best. So how I start my day and end my day, how I take breaks between clients, these are all things that I do on a daily basis that I've become very intentional about so that everyone feels like they're getting the best of Heather when they talk with her, not not the leftovers, not the runovers, and even just engaging with my my family after I work. I just say, I just need one hour to transition from my client conversations that are super intense yeah. to now hanging out with you and talking about what we're going to eat for dinner or, you know, when you want to go shopping, yeah. <laughs> just mom <laughs> stuff, right? So balancing that has been really important. Yeah. And the, um, I for, for me, I actually put that in my calendar. Like the, the the time I like I put it on my calendar to where if somebody says, Can I meet with you at this time? Um, I can go. I actually have a meeting at that at that time, but that meeting is just with me. Like it's not, oh. yeah. So I don't know. You're that's, so advanced. But see the thing you don't no one's meeting with you at six AM. So that works like six AM. That's <laughs> true. Six to eight AM and that one's like, Hey Heather, let's have a six AM coffee. But so it works, but like mine's a little bit later in the day because I don't do mornings. And but, I'm not getting woken up by three young kids. That is true. That is Because in my that, younger years I'm like my my me time was in the afternoon when they were taking naps. So I was trying right. to qualify that for all my parents out there. We, we just got back from we just got back from Hawaii and realized this was the first vacation that the kids didn't need naps. And I forgot how much I ne- I was actually napping when they were napping. And so we get to the end of the day and we're like, why are we so, oh, last time we were here, we slept while they were sleeping in the middle of the afternoon and sat on the patio, looked at the ocean. We weren't going to do, you know, all the things. I mean, but it, yeah, anyway. But, Those are uh, busy years. It's right. It's right. There. Yes, that's a true statement. So our podcast is podcast is called The Table, and um, I believe good conversation happens mm-hmm. around good food. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a, one of the things that happens. So, um, like, we've done this many times, but like, if we were to come over to the Penny's house for yeah. dinner, which needs to happen, we need to make that happen. Yes, we will. Um, what is a meal you guys would serve? Like, what is something that the that the Pennies oh. would put on the table? Okay, so I'm going to tell you two because they're two of our favorites right now. One is this polenta board. So we put polenta with like sauteed meat and vegetables and everything. We put on this massive board. We sit on the, on the table and everyone just gets the scoop out of it. And oh, it's just yeah. a conversational piece. We just love that one. 
The second one is poke bowls. We're really into poke bowls right now. So if people come over, we've got all the pokey fixies and everyone gets to make up their bowl and they're loving that. So oh, we love yeah. these, these engaging foods and being able to get people talking and also just linger around the table. Conversation foods. That's that's, yes. that's where that's at. Yeah, totally. Yes, so come it. on over. You tell I, me which one you want, Jace. I love it. I love it. <laughs> how can we uh, how can we connect with you? Where where can we get your book? How do we connect with Heather? Tell yep. us how, tell us how to do that. The easiest place is just go to my website, heatherpenny.com, and everything's there from podcasts. I have a Heather Penny podcast show, my books on Amazon, and other different retailers. But if you start with my website, you'll get lots of free stuff there, and you'll also see where to buy my book. Oh, love it. Heatherpenny.com, mm-hmm. and uh, you can find all of that. Yes. Heather, thanks so much for hanging out today and, and doing this, sharing all your wisdom. Oh, and you're um, just, I love, um, I love this stuff so much. It's the, it's the being the best version of you. And uh, somebody told me something recently that I thought was interesting. And they said, the people around you need you to be healthy. Mm. And I, it was, it was because you always think like, I got to be, I got to continue to be in the kids and then blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, they actually need you to be healthy. Like yeah. in order to continue to do what they need you to do, you also need to be healthy. So yep. taking time for yourself is not selfish. It's not, yep. it's actually, um, you're doing it for them to say, yep. I want to be here to, for the future and, Love and it. exist. So mm-hmm. awesome. Love it. Awesome, Heather. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, my friend. So good seeing you. Say hi to Casey for me. Uh, you say hi to Darren. Will do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bye-bye. 